This is the one with unlimited rice pudding. An argument with a window. A shuttle in a schoolyard. And bionic blobs with bits added. It's called Remembrance of the Daleks. Here, Here we, we go. We're still on our epic race. All through time and all through space. We're slipping and angels now. Dalek Cyber Zood and wow! Counting Sonic's rating out. From the poor to the sublime. Eccleston to Whittaker. Let's agree it's about time. Who back when? Reviewing on you who there is. Who back when? Subscribe and rate on iTunes, please. Rose and Donna. Amy Pond. Rory Clara. And beyond. Join us on this side to see what other choice could there be. But who back when? Who back when? Well, hello, beautiful people out there in podcast land. Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of Who Back When, a Doctor Who podcast. Or dog past. I am your introing host today, Jim. Hello, podcast land. Hope you're doing well. And I'm obviously joined. I'm not alone here. I'm joined by none other than the stupendous fellow that is known as Leon. Hello, Leon. Hello, Jim Cakes. Hello, podcast land. Stupendous fellow, eh? Mm. What are we talking about today? Oh, my goodness. I think everyone's in for a treat here. We're talking about Remembrance of the Daleks. Oh, yeah, treat us right. What a serial. Indeed. Yeah, this one, top level, enjoyed, that's for sure. How about yourself? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, top level, love the heck out of it. What a collection of seminal moments of 80s Who, and also so many occasions of going, oh, this is where that scene happens. Yes. True. Or this is where that Dalek comes in. (laughs) Exactly. Oh, I bet you were thinking of the same Dalek. (laughs) I'm sure. Oh, I literally just scrolled past a picture of it. So (laughs) I was prompted quite easily. (laughs) Yeah. So I guess we can just probably just jump straight into a B-scale and then go and sing this thing's praises and maybe pick some holes into it. We'll we'll find out. Oh, no, there are holes to be picked. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure. (laughs) But that sounds like a spiffy idea. Yeah, let's let's B-scale this baby. Hmm. Time for us to synopsize, lobify and summarize So take a view, and grab a brew, and listen to this overview This free-for-all, we like to call a bite-sized chunk of who Bite-sized chunk of who Doc brings Ace back to 1960s London to see famous Whovian sites like Coal Hill School and Foreman's Yard and to pick up the stellar manipulator he happened to have left lying around by mistake He's not the only one after it though Far from it. Two Dalek factions are at war, and one of them has decided that having a stellar manipulator might just be a game changer. Also on location is Not Bagels, leading a not-unit team cosplaying as Liz Shaw, Joe Grant, and Mike Yates, and approximately 33% of whom are second-generation Nazis. With the seventh Doctor fully leaning into his eccentricities, however, and with Ace equipped with a souped-up baseball bat, our pre-fam-fam is on the case. Beastcow over. You are welcome. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. That was a spiffing Beastcow, but it barely scratches the surface of this one, doesn't it? My goodness, does a lot happen here. Yeah. Uh, what are some important things that may have been left out of said Beastcow? <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything in particular you'd like to start off with? No. This isn't how this works. You know. You have the questions. Come on. <laughs> get us going, dude. <laughs> uh, how about this? Weren't Doc 
and A is supposed to be taking the long way back. Like, why are we back in London? In 1963, no less. But why are we back on Earth in London? That's an interesting point. I'd forgotten. To be honest, I mean, that setup. I didn't believe at the time. It was all a bit weird. Mel was leaving to go home, but going with Glitz, not staying with the doctor to do more traveling. And then Ace obviously wants to go home because she got star-lorded, like you said, and Hmm. didn't really need to be in an alien planet. She needed to potentially be in 1980s Earth. Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) It is weird, especially as this isn't set up as any kind of like... Oh, let's just have a little trip through history first, shall we? I don't know. She's just walking around with a boombox. They're just chilling. Doc seems to know what's going on, but doesn't let us in on it sort of thing. I don't know. I feel like Doc went here for a reason. Yeah? Yeah, I think you're right about that. And that's actually a really good place to start. Like, why has Doc decided to go here now? Because he's aware that he left the Stellar Manipulator there. But do you think that he knows that the Daleks are after it? I guess that's the biggest plot hole. Well, unless I'm just misunderstanding stuff. That I see in this serial is the old hand of Omega, Omicron, whatever. Omega, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Omega, yeah. That whole thing where it's basically being rigged to blow up Scaro. Like, does that happen in this serial? Is it something Doc did historically and now he's decided to set it in motion? That's a really good question. Why is it now? Like, Like you've just said, like, why does he do this now? Why does he decide? This thing that he left behind and needs to be dealt with now. Yeah, I think these are these are two different questions. One of which is a super good question that I hadn't even considered. So let's put a pin in the Scarrow thing. But in general, I think this serial basically lacks a first act, or like it lacks an inciting incident. There's no reason for yeah. him to go back now. He has a time machine. He can go back whenever he wants to. And however, if we had had a scene in the TARDIS where he goes bleep 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 bleep, oh. I'm I'm picking up a reading that can only mean that at least one type of Dalek is heading back to 1963 in London. We better go and investigate. Yeah. It makes no sense. Like it doesn't have to happen now. When he goes back, I get the impression that he doesn't know about the Daleks because he seems very surprised by the presence of Daleks. Yeah, that's true. I think so. So we basically we're we're missing the entire motivation for them coming here and it doesn't fit with the end of the last serial, which is, this is your first question. Uh, I think, I think you're 100% right. This is odd. Yeah. This is probably (laughs) just, we write lots of serials. We don't have to put them all together. Thank you very much. BBC attitude. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's very possible. It's, uh, it does seem like a little bit of an F you to Mel though, that, that they can go back to (laughs) earth right away. Like he's very, he very easily goes back to 1963. He could probably very easily go back to 1980 whenever Mel, you know, snapped up. I mean, to, but, to be fair, do we even know yeah, when she came from? We assume she came from like 1985 or whatever year it no, was that she first point. appeared. No idea. But all of that stuff happened off screen, didn't it? Yeah, that's a, su- that's a super good point. Actually, holy smokes, that is such a good point that it goes hand in hand with your super good question about Scaro, as in when Doc destroys Scaro, which by the way, we should discuss. When he destroys <laughs> yes. Scaro, does he destroy Scaro in 1963? Or does the Stellar Manipulator with Dalek tech, I guess, does it travel to the future and destroy Scarrow? As in, like, has everything that we have experienced with Scarrow after 1963 simply not happened because it's been erased from history? And on the Mel side, that was in the year, like, two million. When she goes back to Earth, she's going to feel really out of place. 
<laughs> yeah, when she just sees yeah, all she, the stretched she go skin back to people. The mysterious planet. Oh, the mysterious planet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very good point. Yeah, she didn't hop on a time ship. Exactly. No. So anyway, so uh, sorry, your question about yeah. Scaro. Do you think that Scaro has been destroyed, quote unquote, today in 1963? I honestly don't know. I think, to be honest, New Who does this kind of thinking a lot better than classics, it seems. <laughs> I think in yeah, a serial, good. classics will try quite hard, well, when they feel like it, to have some self-contained logic. The time yeah. frame makes sense. The rules make sense. But serial to serial, I have no idea if stuff is really holding up. And part of that is feeding into, I have no idea if it matters if Scaro disappeared in 1963 or not, because it probably already didn't make sense, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that's a fair point. Something to maybe bear in mind here is this is the very last Dalek story of Classic Who. There is no more Dalek stuff. This is the last time that you and I are discussing oh, right. Daleks in the context of Classic Who. Oh well, my goodness, I hadn't realized that. That's it, yeah. And the last time that we get to see Davros. And actually, I think, I think I've read that Daleks make an appearance in the Doctor Who TV movie which I've only seen once and I don't remember, but in general, for yeah, TV Doctor Who, well this either. is it. And so blowing well, it up kind of doesn't matter. But at this point in time when they were, yeah, I mean, in the context of having hindsight and everything, it doesn't matter. But when they were writing this, they didn't know they were never going to have another Dalek series, yep. serial. Like they write it so that Davros looks like he's escaped for a start. You wouldn't oh, yeah, do that point. if you thought this was thought this was it. Yeah, very good point. And this, because this is season 25 so this is the 25th anniversary season which i didn't really kind of realize watching this serial i was only going on to wikipedia that like all the notes about this this serial like saying oh the opener for season for the 25th anniversary season you know they want it to be different and da, 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 da. i was like oh right yeah yeah is this going to be an incredible se season because they are thinking about this being this entire year is like an anniversary year like, this could be really nice. cool. I didn't think about um, that either. No, but I think it maybe explains why this serial does stand out as probably a bit better than what we've seen up to date in the last few yeah. serials. And why it, I mean, we don't know 100%, but we definitely get a feeling this is a fan favorite. Oh, certainly. It is, it's voted super duper high. I can't remember which spot it got. It was something like, I think it's the number one Sly McCoy serial fan voted. Yeah. And I think it might be in the top 10, actually, overall for Classic. I'm not sure. It's very high up okay. there for uh, Classic. Yeah, it's way. pretty high. So, yeah, I might, be, I might be talking out of my ear. I'm not sure. And I also remember reading at some point, way back when, that this is the era of Doctor Who where budgets are slashed. I didn't notice that in this serial. In fact, this serial no, went true. over budget by a lot. And it shows. They've invested a ton of money in it. I did. I did see a bit of trivia about that. They went over by like thirteen thousand or something, which is kind of laughable. <laughs> but I guess back then it was probably a lot of money. I'm sure it's tons of money back then. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the set, especially the effects. Sorry. Yeah, if this is the era, like you say, where they were being very conscious of budget as well to go over by that amount, and you probably yeah. had a reduced thing to start with. Yeah, someone was probably going, "Hmm, that's Wait. not what we agreed, chaps." Yeah. Don't like, make me pull know, the big lever. For all we know, this serial is the reason it got tanked. Because they spent so much money, they're like, nope, never again. <laughs> pull the plug on this MFA. Yeah. 
But okay, so 25th anniversary, I also hadn't considered that. 25th season, let's go in a new direction. Let's open it with this cold open. Oh, yeah. How exciting is that cold open? That was really nice, yeah. I do find this era of Doctor Who really interesting, because it feels different to classics up to now, and... Maybe that's true of a lot of 80s stuff. I think 80s did kind of start rewriting a lot of things. I don't know. But I don't know about you, but to me, it feels like it's a little bit closer to New Who than we've ever been before. Yeah, I think you're right. And that's a very. This cold open definitely fits with that. Yeah, it's more cinematic in a way, which is something that we maybe associate more with. It's more commonplace in television nowadays. Yeah, I guess so. And also, that, that cold open has. I assume a nod to Star Wars with the little, I think it's a Dalek spaceship just kind of crawling yeah, yeah, into view in. over the camera. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it looks exactly like Star Wars or Independence Day or baseballs. <laughs> like, it looks so incredible. It looks so grand in scope and scale. And yeah. on top of that, you have all these quotes. You've got the, well, who have you got? You've got John F. Kennedy. Martin Luther King. Martin I think Luther King, yes, exactly. Dream, didn't we? Apparently they want, I think I read that they wanted Queenie, but they didn't get Queenie. So they got her husband, Prince, what's his face? Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know what to say about that. I find that actually <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> Both the fact that that happened and you just calling him Prince, Prince what's his face. But I genuinely don't know what I'm really respectful. (laughs) I really care about the crown. (laughs) (laughs) I've heard it's a good TV series. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, yeah, they're doing a lot of stuff in this one. Like they're taking us back to the start. Yeah. Like, how do you feel about that? Like, not only are we going back to Coal Hill, which which we've done before, I think, in classic, and we definitely do again in in New Who. But this is actually in 1963. Yeah, that's true. It's wonderful. <laughs> I don't. Okay. Re- I can't remember when we last had this in Classic Who. When was that? I'm sure you're right. I just had a vague feeling Coal Hill had come up before, or the Scrapyard, or it's possible. I'm not it's sure. Certainly, it feels like the kind of thing that you do for a anniversary, for an anniversary special. Yeah. In the same way that if this were mid-season to do a fourth wall breaking, and now we're going to join the continuing adventures of a Doctor Cut, you know, you wouldn't get away with <laughs> yes. that. No, I think it's wonderful that we're back in Coal Hill. We're, we're back in, in Foreman's Yard. It's a little, it's silly that we're on Todder's Lane in Foreman's Yard and this is the place that the Dalek is hiding. Like, what? why? He doesn't need nah. to be there. He's there for pure fan service. And I am yeah. digging every moment of it. <laughs> is this <laughs> what do you think about right the... after they've left? Well, I don't know. That's that's the question. It's like, I don't get exactly the time period here. Is it the white-haired Doctor, as you know, has been referenced in this serial, has just hopped off not to return to the yard and then... Wait, he's referenced in the through... serial? I missed that. When? Where? Who? What? The, it's it's the funeral director guy. He's on the radio. No, not the radio. On the telephone to someone. And he said, like, I was told to expect an old yes. white-haired gentleman or something like that. Like, he's been oh told God, about the Doctor. I didn't get that at the time. Yes, well done. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. So Must there are loads of little references I think to other serials and that which I didn't get probably half of them but glancing through trivia there's there's easily half a dozen other serials that get referenced through direct oh definitely I'm assuming that it must be afterwards because otherwise when they throw grenades and Nitro 9 in the scrapyard there would be another TARDIS in there so I'm assuming yeah I'm assuming that it's after they've left when we are there at the start the impression I've always had and I haven't watched classic who from the start 
Mm. Don't write in. Sorry. But they've meant to have been there for a while. Is that right? Like Susan's been going yeah, to that school. school. For, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes. But to be fair, this is a serial in which, and I never thought that I would say this in a Doctor Who review, but like, where are all the kids? So it might be <laughs> summer halls and all of them, including Dawkins and uh, Susie. <laughs> I nearly had a lapse there. I'm so sorry. Doc and Susie also have gone off on holes. So who knows? Maybe they're on vacation somewhere. On vacation. You yeah, mean they're on, they, their, on their travels? Yeah. They were kind of on vacation on Earth in 1963. You might argue yeah, that Doc true. and on earth in 1963 now as well <laughs> yeah i guess i guess the thing is it seems unlikely you could be in 1963 before they were there maybe you luck into like you say the summer holidays and they're away for a bit oh, and everything gets cleaned yeah, yeah. up i think you're right this is probably after they've yeah. gone off on travels and don't go back again or they don't go back for a long oh, time tops. i don't know what happens but it still strikes me as a bit odd to turn up again in 1963 in the same location that you were based in like multiple regenerations before yeah but so so this is where your point of this being an anniversary serial comes into play super relevantly, I think, because nowadays when we have anniversary episodes in New Who, there tends to be a callback to classic. There tends to be some something that links it to its history. And if this is the 25th, I feel like they could have made a bigger deal of this being an anniversary. But maybe at the time on TV and in Radio Times and wherever else, maybe that's where that's where the oomph was rather than yeah. the episode proper. And for that reason, I think it makes perfect sense that they are here. It's just, I kind of wish they had written an excuse for them to be here. But yeah, the fact true. that they are makes sense. No, I think I'm with you. I, d I don't really massively mind. I was just curious if you thought it was odd for them to be in the same time frame. I think it fits with the few bits of dialogue that happen where Doc is saying like he's visiting his past and he he name drops people like he goes into the cafe and he's speaking to the server and says where's Henry or something like that who is who and that's the person that Ace had spoken to and that's the cafe owner presumably and yeah yeah so it's not out of place that Doc knows the name of people you know so just to check are you talking about the black guy so Doc sits down and has a conversation with the black guy where they get into yeah. this wonderful philosophical thing and they're even addressing some racial topics which we definitely need oh, to yeah. no, we come back to well. but yeah when he's in that conversation i did recognize him actually do you know where are we gonna have the same reference I mean, presumably we have the same reference where did you recognize him from i actually forgot to look him up i've forgotten dude he's the bottler from fresh prince in Bel-Air. is okay it just popped <laughs> in my head he's jeffrey is it jeffrey I've jeffrey jeffrey bottler <laughs> jeffrey bottler <laughs> I think I think that's his actual surname. Yeah, that blew my mind. Absolutely blew my mind. In part yeah. because I assumed that he was an American actor who just did a British accent. So yeah, fantastic seeing him. <laughs> no, that's that's a good point actually. I never thought that was his real accent in Fresh Prince. Like that's just how Americans think all British people's yeah. talk. Obviously, you know, <laughs> crazy posh. Yeah, yeah. So, but you brought up, the, uh, yeah. he made a com. oh, sorry, go ahead. So, yeah, when Doc is talking to him, or before he even starts talking to him, I think, he asks, like, where's Harry? Like, he knows the name of the owner of that cafe, basically. Yeah, which that's true. Because it 100% would check out, you know. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It doesn't quite check out for William Hartnell's doctor, perhaps. Is it hard to picture him going to that cafe and having a bacon sandwich, maybe? <laughs> oh, um, yeah, a million percent. <laughs> you know what I would like to do? <laughs> what if every single doctor always goes to the same cafe? 
and you can splice <laughs> in the scene of Marwood from Withnell and I sitting down in the cafe in the opening credit scene of Withnell. Looking around, there's that lady who bites into an egg sandwich, and then he looks around a little bit further, and we see Sylvester McCoy just ugh, ruminating. That would be great. I would love <laughs> to see that. <laughs> that sounds good. You brought up that Jeffrey and Doc have a conversation about slavery and racism. Yeah. This is a running theme in this serial. We have a lot of, for starters, we have a Nazi protagonist and a Nazi antagonist. I'm not yeah. even talking about the Daleks. There are a lot of references to racism and fascism in this serial. Very interesting. It's the first time that I remember seeing anything like this in Classic Who. Yeah, we've had like them definitely leaning towards the cause. We've seen the 70s being quite ecological focused, yeah. I guess. But maybe they occasionally have addressed topics like this. I'm not sure. This seemed like the most like... I don't think it was even done in a ham-fisted way. I, th- I thought that scene was actually done quite nicely. It came a little bit out of nowhere, yes. but... I think the way Sylvester McCoy's doctor had this kind of real kind of philosophical debate going on in himself, I think just lended itself very perfectly to have that conversation. I think it worked really well. Totally agree with you. Yeah. And that's that was probably the most obvious part of this. Obviously, you then have actual Nazis and you have Daleks, which are stand-in Nazis, and you have Daleks all in white. <laughs> as like the racial purity Daleks you know it's like, and you have Daleks yeah. all in black as well let's see what else do we have we have I mean that that is a first off that's a super interesting bit of commentary on slavery that Doc and Jeffrey have super yeah. interesting you have one of the bad guys I can't remember his name now but one of the bad guys who says I used to speak up about something and after the war I, I spoke in favor of whatever and uh, they put me in prison so like, oh so you were just a straight up nazi sympathizer is that what's going on here? yeah i mean yeah he was not hiding that nazi mike no not at all nazi mike who talks about keeping outsiders out to keep your own people safe and his mum who has a no colored oh, sign in her god BNP. yes Fucking hell. Yikes. That came out of nowhere. There's a Yavol, which isn't even directed at one of the Nazi characters. It's directed, I think, at Not Bagels. It's like, oh, Yavol. And a couple of the others, Not Joe and I can't remember who else. Someone, they sort of goose step behind him. Oh, really? Oh, I missed that bit. Yeah, I think so. Oh, and there is a guy who, in my notes, he's just English Hitler. There's a guy who looks like Hitler, who's the, is this uh, the headmaster in the school. Yeah. yeah. And I looked him up. He's, first off, he's a massive legend. Michael Sheard. This is his last episode, last appearance on Doctor Who. Did you look him up? I haven't looked him up. I know him reasonably well. Like, he is a staple of British TV. Oh, yeah. He was and, in I mean, even some Grange film Hill. stuff. Like, yeah, Grange Hill, which he apparently, they had to, like, pause Grange Hill so he could come and do this. <laughs> yeah. Which is amazing. Do you know who else he, uh, he played? He played. Hitler. <laughs> oh, he uh, did actually play it. I mean, once. Oh, wow. <laughs> Excellent casting. He played Hitler in something called, I want to say, Hitler. And then he played Hitler again, hold on to your pants in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. You know that scene where Indy bumps into Hitler, he has a book, and Hitler signs it? That's Michael Sheard. I mean, I don't remember that at all, but I am going to watch it again and look out for that. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely mad it's fantastic he's also one of the i can't remember if he actually if he is the admiral no i think he's rung down from admiral in star wars like on one of the starships yes you're right yeah yeah yeah. like he's this is one of those characters other than grain chill but i adored grain chill as a kid like it was the thing like everyone watched grain chill 
Oh, but yeah? other than that, like I would want this guy's career. Like he just pops up all over the place. Actually, no, no. What am I saying? I don't want to play yeah. Hitler <laughs> <laughs> twice. <laughs> yeah. No, I think he's just he's had an interesting career. He's always been an interesting person to watch on screen as well. I think. Yeah, probably one of these. And in this actors, one, one of these British actors Sorry. like David Warner who just pop up everywhere. Yeah, including and like even movie. in this, he's. Not a big character, but dear jeepers, does he get some weird shit happening in in this role? Like he needs yeah. a. I'm gonna say in the in stomach, the but it, it oh, could have been no. the groin <laughs> for sure. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> <laughs> right and then she does it. Back she returns to him. the favor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then he gets. Is it him that gets killed in the graveyard and ends up lying next to a thing saying, like, in remembrance or something like that? I think so, yeah. Which is, yeah, it's a bit odd. Like, do they just leave a dead guy in the cemetery? I think so. Maybe well, someone went around right cleaned in, up Like, afterwards. no one will ever notice. <laughs> <laughs> people visiting the cemetery just, like, walk straight past them. Like, oh, no, that's, that's where they keep the dead people. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this one's popped out a bit. Someone needs to rebury him. Okay, question for you. Because it's related to the cemetery. What brought Doc to the funeral parlor, where he picks up the hand of Omega that he then brings to the cemetery? Yeah, I didn't really get that one. And at the time, I was struggling with ITV player to watch this bloody serial, and it was just refusing to show me the video more than one frame at a time. Oh, so no. I watched this the first bit of that parlor scene, or rather listened to it, probably about 10 times before I managed to get it working. And every time I went back to the start of that scene like he he goes in grabs a milk bottle and hands it to the funeral director the guy funeral director who is in cahoots with the renegade yeah. daleks he's like wait, wait what why exactly every time i'm just like why is this happening like what's what what's going on here i like how nonchalant doc is about all of this and just taking control like pin and doc like we need to talk about doc big time yeah, yeah. okay we will talk about doc in a second but like and i totally agree with you but like what no this is another thing that lacks yeah. an inciting incident he goes there because I'm, I'm gonna assume that he didn't hide the hand of omega in this funeral parlor because otherwise what are the odds that the funeral director is in cahoots with the dalek yeah so presumably the renegade daleks have left the hand of omega here and he just saunters up to it. I'm and presumably he can detect it, I guess. And it, it feels like maybe a, a human plot to try and hide it in a way that's a bit odd. Like hide it in a funeral yeah, that's true. parlor. And they have human lackeys to do this kind of stuff. So yeah. it kind of makes sense from that point of view. But you're right, there's still that little bit missing. Is like, yeah, we, we skipped a scene where Doc says... Ah, the Han of Omega is at the funeral parlor. Exactly. Same scene. <laughs> and probably also a scene of the renegade Daleks going, that's where the Hand of Omega is. Don't worry, we will bring it back to our HQ very soon. Because <laughs> if that is, that, I mean, that is someone who works with the Daleks, why is it there? Why wouldn't they have taken it straight to the builder's supply warehouse or whatever? Yeah. What's his name? Caramel Crapman or something like that. Whatever it was. Like where bizarre. where Ratcliffe is? Is it? Ratcliffe, yes. Not not Crapman. <laughs> Crapman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's odd that it's there. It's odd that Doc just wanders up to get it. It's odd that it's not in a coffin. It's in a sci-fi box. Yeah. Like, which is roughly coffin shaped, just smaller, I guess. Yeah. 
Yeah. Which I guess is meant to be the logic. Like a human sees this and goes, oh, we can hide it in a funeral parlor because it looks like a coffin. Yeah. But it doesn't make sense in the context of what we're shown. Not at all. And then how stunning is it that it flies? It's amazing. And presumably <laughs> Doc effectively commutes on foot with a floating coffin <laughs> and no yes. one notices because no <laughs> one's out and about except for one conveniently blind priest. <laughs> <laughs> Why does he take a priest? Why does he have it buried? I don't understand any of this. <laughs> I don't know. And it's so he does that because he knows that Davros is going to go and find it there. <laughs> what? Also, how deep is this tomb? Not very deep because later one of them, I can't remember who, that one of the lackeys, one of the girl's lackeys just has a metal rod and sticks it in the ground and apparently hits the box. Oh yeah. He hits the box, there's some electricity, and up in the spaceship, Davros and friends go, oh, we've picked up an en energy signature. Yeah. Well, no wonder, because Doc just walked there with a floating box. Someone will have said, yeah, it makes no sense. He might as well have left it there, because eventually it's taken to those Dalek sympathizers anyway. Yeah. And, I don't know. question, it's... when it gets buried, <laughs> sorry, 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 when it no, gets no, buried, why on the tombstone next to the Hand of Omega grave, why does the tombstone have a sideways three except for it to look like a pair of boobs? Why? <laughs> why is there a... Why? <laughs> I love it, but I don't get it. I don't know. What's the symbol for Omega? It's just an O. Yeah. Yeah, it's not a pair of boobs. <laughs> It's not a it's not sideways three, which I think this is. I'm so sorry. If maybe this is a Greek symbol. Maybe it's a sideways epsilon. <laughs> but and I, I think I this is saw it as a little bit like infinity to start with, but it, then it's not because it's not completed. Oh, interesting. It really doesn't look like an. Oh wait, 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 wait! I've just done an image search for the symbol for omega. And I'm seeing one that looks a bit like boobs. Well, Omega <laughs> is like a horseshoe, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one it description. Does not look like that, dude. <laughs> Did they have upper and lowercase letters? Is it a lowercase Omega? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. I am getting results that suggest there is a symbol to do with Omega, which is very similar to that. Okay. All right. Yeah, fine. Well, to me, it was boobs. <laughs> I mean, yes, that's definitely what it looks like. I'm not saying that it's unlike any other moment of my life. <laughs> that is what sprang to mind. But I, I do feel like I have cut you off a million times. Where do you want to take this? Did you want to talk about the doctor? Where are we going? And I'm so sorry. Where are we going? I don't know. What do you think the hand of Omega is for a start? Do you think it's that box? Do you think it's something in the box? Oh, well, I think it's a stellar manipulator, for starters, right? That's the device itself. I think Doc says so in this episode, and I'm assuming... But is that true? Because I that's what so. the Daleks want, but that's not obviously yeah. what they get. But is it just that well, Doc's reprogrammed a stellar manipulator? Yes, I think so. So what okay. what he said was that Omega or Rast... Oh, I can't remember. Oh, I wish that I had remembered this, because this serial contains the perfect precy of both Omega and Rassilon. Yes. <laughs> Excellent. But he does say, I'm, I'm assuming this particular stellar manipulator was used to create the supernova, energy from which was originally used and harnessed to develop time travel technology and establish the Time Lords society. Yes. 
So this thing creates, for example, supernovas. I'm sure that we've had stellar manipulators before in Classic Who, maybe even in New Who. Because isn't there, for example, a collapsing star or something inside the TARDIS? So maybe in maybe in that episode yeah. of New Who, there's a stellar manipulator. But regardless, that's one of the things that this thing does, this device. It creates supernovas, or it can cause a star to supernova. And Doc has just programmed it to, when it g- gets to Scarrow, it supernovas the nearest star. So the sun next to it, goes supernova and destroys Scarrow. And then yeah, he's weirdly okay. programmed it to go back and detonate or blow them up as well. Yeah, okay. So it's just, it's the device as advertised, it's just been tampered with, programmed to do other stuff. I think so. Which, which makes sense. I think, I think you're probably right there. Do you think that's an okay so, thing for Doc to do? Well, that's the big question, isn't it? And we've had this before. Double like, genocide. This is, yeah, this is basically genocide. And yeah. was it Genesis of the Daleks where we had Tom Baker doesn't put the wires together, basically, to kill all the baby Daleks? Yes, exactly. The Khalids can still remain alive. The Thal will remain alive. But he doesn't want to destroy the Daleks, of whom there are very few in existence. Here, he blows up the entire planet. I assume that there were Thal on that planet. Like, perfectly I, innocent... I mean... Woodland Who knows? Dwelling. I mean, like you say, we yeah. don't. It's hard to know if this is 1963's Scarrow. It's also hard for me to know what that means for Scarrow. Like all the stuff that goes on in Scarrow, does that happen in 1963? Does it happen in 2 million and 22? Or does it happen in 3,000 years BC? It could be anything. Yeah, that's obviously, a very good... yeah, time travel. Yeah, super good question. If they had followed this up, it might have mattered because they get to then decide, did we change history here? Which would be a big thing for Doc to have done, that's for sure. Arguably, yeah. as weird as it is to say this, arguably bigger than committing genocide. <laughs> this is flux. Br- yeah. Blowing up Scarrow here is like fluxing. And that I'm not okay with that. In fact, this is one of only two things in this entire serial that I really think are just utter shit. Like, I don't like Doc destroying an entire planet just just for the hell of it. Like, fuck you guys, you're bad. Not just am I going to punish you. I'm going to punish your entire species and whichever other species is nearby. If a yeah. sun goes, if a star goes supernova, presumably it doesn't, it, it takes care of every every single thing in that solar system. I, I would assume so. Is this even like how you start black holes? Like, does this fuck up an entire galaxy? I don't know. Uh, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I'm not an astrophysicist, but yeah, I think that kind of rings a bell. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) But yeah, you're right. It's not a minuscule event that's happened here. He hasn't just flicked a pen off the table. No, he's yeah, yeah, really screwed up a solar system. And what I was going to say was, so this is in 1963. If we say that William Hartnell is first doctor and Susie just left, then they went back to caveman times. And then from there, they went to Scarrow. The second serial is... Oh, right. And they go to Scarrow, they meet the Daleks, they meet the Thal, and then they go off on their third adventure, Edge of Discretion. But that second adventure, if that took place after this, no longer happened because Scarrow is Dunsville. And they met, like, they made a bunch of friends there (laughs) 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 who were all dead. That's insane bananas. Anyway, I'm sorry. Yeah. I guess you could easily hand wave it and say they went to one period of time, this happened at a different period of time, they don't conflict with each other. But if they had decided they wanted that to happen, they could rewrite all of Doctor Who. And yeah. an interesting note is that they were kind of trying to do that. Not necessarily with this, Ooh. but what you said... Sorry, if you want to stay on the Scarrow no, no, stuff. Please, please, but, please. 
what you were saying about the lovely backstory we get told about Omega and Rassilon, Doc very casually drops in and then has to backtrack that he had a hand in all of this stuff. Yeah. Like, <laughs> which, correct me if I'm wrong, that has never been mentioned before, never been part of his uh, pretty, history. Are you sure that's new? <laughs> yeah. So this... What I have learnt, and I haven't read a lot about this at all, other than basically a couple of sentences on Wikipedia, is the Cartmel Master Plan, as dubbed by fans. That's right. Which yes, exactly. Is this what people talk about as well when the what well, the Timeless the Child Thrones. stuff, which you yeah. hate, people yes. go back to the classics and say, you know what, they wanted to do this in the eighties and they didn't. Yes. So it's not that yeah, weird of a concept. <laughs> Yeah, you're absolutely right. Drew, interestingly, brought this up in a recent review. Probably the one where we have Whitaker being revealed as like, oh yeah, she's the messiah. You know? And yeah, you're absolutely right. There was a plan for a season that just never happened, season 27, in which a whole different background to the Doctor would have been explored. Yeah, because it's weird. That, presumably this is maybe all we get. Maybe there's another mention. We still got, was it like six, seven zeros left to go? We got a few in this series and Something another like series. So may, maybe there are more hints of it until until we're done. But as it stands, it's just kind of like a what, what, what moment of <laughs> like, <laughs> hang on. <laughs> Wait, I know Doc's 900 years old. He told us that again in this serial. I'm not sure if that lets you then say he was around with Rassilon and they were jump-starting technologies with black holes. Not black uh, holes. Supernova. Great point. Is this society only 900 years old? I assume that it was way older than that. I mean, they predate Rassilon, don't they? But their time-traveling yeah. abilities... If you, I mean, this serial is trying to say it at the same point. Doc is 900. Doc had a hand in yeah. them becoming time-travelers. So time-travel yeah. for Time Lords is 900 years. I guess, I guess it, so, it yeah. Would seem. I don't buy it. You know what? I don't buy it. I... <laughs> I choose to think that the seventh doctor is fibbing <laughs> or he's being deliberately mysterious because tw season 27 didn't happen. And I think it takes something away from the show if this character ends up being so incredibly important to that society. It's much, we had this conversation when we talked about Whitaker as well, but like, isn't it so much better if Doc is just a nobody? If Doc is just a regular schmo? Doc isn't a regular schmo and you know it. Like he has always okay, been treated schmo, different to the rest of the Gala friends. Like he's, he's fucking yeah. president for a start now and has been for a yeah. long time. Yeah, okay, that is true. Sorry, that is absolutely true. But isn't it better if it turns out that he isn't the chosen one, or he isn't like the very first Time Lord, or like, isn't it better if he's just one of them and he's very eccentric and intelligent and clever and resourceful and all that juicy, juicy goodness, but he isn't a, like a god king? <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't have as much of an issue with it. Like, I've, either of the, the concepts... Child? I actually don't mind the time, Timeless Child. I think oh, the I way see. it came about was really interesting. I think uh -huh. some of the ideas were, <laughs> were pretty good. It's been 60 years. Like, yeah. if you want to keep this going, you probably have to change some stuff. You have to... That, yeah, that is a fair things. point. And if they had, I think if they had stuck with this idea, if they had a season 27 where it turns out, you know, Doc had more of a hand in early Gallifreyan society, I think I would have been fine with it. It's like, hmm. you don't know that much about the Doc's history beyond little run-ins with 
Gallifrey and what's hinted at with like oh he he was taught by Barusa and stuff like that. I don't yeah. know. He did they even talk about? I guess they must talk about the Academy Time Time Lord Academy or something. I don't know. So you know uh, that there are mentions. He, of it, he'd sure. learnt on Gallifrey. He was yeah. He was studying. Yeah. So they'd have to kind of like work with some of the weird weirdness that that place is around it. But if they can either just claim that he's older than he claims to be, or or something like that, you could easily make it happen. Especially when time travel's involved. That's that's also a very good argument. I think okay. You know what? You have me slightly convinced. I think I'm unfairly equating him having been one of the founding uh, Time Lords, you know, one of the found founders of time travel or whatnot, with Doc being an entirely different species uh, w- with the whole Timeless Child thing. Because the yeah. Timeless Child thing, I don't like. And that's more than just, yeah, yeah, I was a scientist and a bureaucrat back in the old days. Yeah. Actually, maybe maybe I've come around to that. You're right. I think also, like, we shouldn't put too much onto this. It seems like this is an idea that went nowhere. This could literally yeah. be it. This may be the only reference we get, and it's hardly a reference at all. Like, it's literally you were clinking something, your cutlery or something, because you're eating while you're watching this, and you would have missed that line. And it's just one line done. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, let's keep an eye out and an ear out. No clinking with cutlery in our last however many (laughs) serials we have left to review. Because maybe there is more. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Is there anything else about the Doctor that you wanted to discuss? Well, I wanted to draw attention to the fact that he is very commanding in this serial. Because I can't remember if it was the last serial or the one before. Possibly both. As much as I was enjoying his performance, I do really like McCoy. I think Seventh Doctor is great fun, that's for sure. But it did feel like things were happening to him, and then he would kind of explain it. Whereas this feels like he's making things happen. And yeah. I much prefer that with the Doctor. Like, the Doctor's meant to be a character that's making things happen. And so this felt... Totally agree. ...so much better. Is Sly McCoy different here than he was in Season 24? I think maybe quite... Po- Possibly is. I don't know. I think the weird the weird thing is like comparing him to Colin Baker, perhaps. I can imagine Colin Baker doing this serial and it not being that different. Yeah. I think if you drop Tom Baker in here, it would be different. If you drop John Pertwee in here, it would be different. Oh, interesting. I can see Pertwee doing this. But don't you think he would have more of an action flair? Like there's a lot of action in <laughs> yeah. this. Yeah, that's that is fair. He definitely would slide down the True. whatever it is, the, <laughs> yeah. the rope. <laughs> To the Dalek spaceship, but he, he also definitely he wouldn't would have an umbrella. The panel of the spaceship in with his foot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, apparently there's a scene where Ace. I think it might be the rocket launcher scene that was scripted where Doc would do it, and McCoy said, "No, my doctor doesn't do that kind of stuff. Nice. Ace should do that." Yeah, which m- makes perfect sense, and I love that Ace gets to do that, and we can put a pin in that a little bit. But other Doctors might have, and I'm probably thinking mainly of Pertwee, because I think most Doctors are low violence. I know Pertwee is more kind of hand-to-hand combat versus a (laughs) fucking rocket launcher, (laughs) but you know. Venusian Aikido. Aikido. Yeah. Yeah. Davison's the one I'm not sure about. Do you think Davison would do this differently, or if that would play out the same? Yeah, I can't see Davison in this one. No, I can't. I can't imagine Davison doing anything that is high octane. He would be there. Would be a moral to the story, and also maybe a little bit more. Not necessarily more cleverness, because Doc is pretty clever in this. But there would yeah, be. No. I feel like there would be more hidden knowledge 
with Davison. There would be something that isn't necessarily substantiated as logical deduction. There would be something that is based on Davison as the doctor just has such profound knowledge of the universe that he knows how to solve a solution. But it's really only because he's studied or he's been around long enough. Yeah. Tom Baker would be clever. Actually, Colin Baker would probably be clever as well. I think Tom Baker would would up the personal connection aspect. Like, because... Obviously, yeah. McCoy deals with a lot of people in this serial. You get the not unit bunch. We mate. them as well. God, there are yeah. so many pins. <laughs> <laughs> I, but I can imagine. Like, and so not only is the Doctor commanding in this, the Doctor is a commander. Like, literally yes. turns into a military commander at one point, just like ordering people around and saying, "We do this here and do 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 that over there." Which I'm not sure Tom Baker would have done something like that, but he would have kind of like be blustering around and just saying, oh, someone do this. And I think maybe if we yeah, went over here, I don't know. It would have a, a different feel to it, that's for sure. But I think the outcome probably would yeah. be the same. It's an interesting conundrum to pose because if this were a, a Tom Baker serial, then you'd also have actual units. You would have bagels there, yeah. for example, and bagels was more resourceful than whatever group captain not bagels is. Nagels, is his name? I can't remember. I, I have no yeah, idea. Anyway. He was just like group right. captain. Yeah. Uh, apparently, Gilmore is his name. Gilmore. Yeah. Nagels. Gagels. No. Nagels. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so if this is a Tom Baker story, then he's working with more competent collaborators. Here, Sylvester McCoy is ostensibly the only competent person on set. So Nagel's instantly... In fact, everyone who's in the military weirdly accepts Doc's authority. At one point, Doc signs for a bazooka. (laughs) I know, that was amazing. From a guy he's never met. The British Army is shit. Why are (laughs) you just letting civilian people in civilian clothing walk up to you in a van and go, Hi, I'll sign for that bazooka, please. (laughs) I'll sign it, doctor. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so dumb. I I would have accepted it if Doc just handed him some money or something. The fact (laughs) that he just like... Because I think there is a moment where Doc's about to leave with the rocket launcher and he's like, wait, you got to sign for it. And he's like, oh, wait, phew, it's okay. Oh, he signed for it. Or oh, everything else is, is, is hunky-dory. So it doesn't matter anymore that this guy just handed over a rocket launcher to a civilian. Nope, it's all good. See, this is a bit where I think Tom Baker or Colin Baker, they would have somehow psychologically tricked that soldier. Uh, like they would have. Tom Baker would yeah. probably have had some clever wordplay that just confused the heck out of him. The underlying message of which is, no, 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 Gilmore sent me. But it's so convoluted that the guy just goes, yeah, okay, so I'll, I'll trust you. Like almost like yeah. a Darren Brown NLP stunt where he goes, okay, so you take this pen, I'll take this bazooka. Now I'll take the bazooka, you take this pen. All right, great. <laughs> so now you've signed for it. Thank you. And in the end, he gets the soldier to sign for the bazooka himself and he just walks yeah. away with an explosive. Oh, I'd pay to see that scene. No, I wouldn't really. Yeah, me too. But I'd like to see it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, same. Absolutely. <laughs> There's also a lot of comedy yep. with Sly McCoy. Like, really good comedy. I think you're right, but I'm struggling to think of things off the top of my head. Oh, I have a note written down, actually. So that the ace doctor interplay is really nice in this, I think, for the most yes. part. Yeah, it's but at one point he says, Ace, give me some of that Nitro 9 that you're not carrying. <laughs> yes, that's a perfect example. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's so good. 
Like it does it immediately feels like these two are old friends. They've been hanging around forever. They know each other really well. And it's yeah. just it's like bonkers that we've just had Mel before. We've had the likes of Perry and like Turlo, even even Nissa. I think Adric? maybe a li- little bit less oh, Adric. I mean, Adric was annoying, but at least I think you get the feeling that they knew each other. And it's yeah. like, yeah, Tegan actually probably was a bit better. Yeah. But yeah, it's just weird. We seem to have gone a while where the companion and the doctor didn't seem to really know each other. And then you immediately get this and it's like, oh, wait, this is what the relationship's meant to be like. This is really good. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree. How do you feel about Ace, though, in general? Setting aside her chemistry with uh, Sly, how, how do you feel about her as a companion? Well, this was the pin, really, from earlier. Because All right. I'm always a bit unsure about having companions violent and having the Doctor be violent. And I don't know, Doctor Who has always been a show that doesn't have to do that. Like the Doctor talks yeah. their way out of situations all the time. Companions generally follow that pattern, maybe pick up a gun from time to time. But yeah, anyway, that said, I actually really love that Ace is just walloping Daleks left, right and center and firing bazookas oh, and shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like all of the action that she does with the exception of the baseball bat. I thought that was just too much. It's <laughs> a stupid thing to say. It's like, oh, wow, a baseball bat is too much. But if you bazooka someone, that's fine. But it is in a sense because the baseball bat is so visceral. It's so personal. I'm not sure how I feel about that, but it's so cool that she jumps through a window and she's pretty fearless. She knees that dude in the groin. Yeah, she's she's a badass. Yeah, and I like that they have done this. I like that they've done this intentionally. I like that it's really obvious that they're trying something different, like... And that it's with a female companion. Like, they are trying to give her the chance of being an action hero. And obviously, it sounds like McCoy was totally on board with this as well. And is saying, like, no, don't give the action stuff to me. Give it to her. Like, she's the one that's doing all this. Sophie Aldred apparently did a a load of her, her own stunts as well. And... Like was oh, scared cool. about it, but loved doing it. That that scene with the baseball bat is apparently like the best thing she's ever done. Like she loved the hell out of it. <laughs> well, in that case, I now love it. Yeah. I'm happy for her. <laughs> but I think it all comes through. I think when you have everyone on the same page with this kind of stuff, it naturally feels better because of it. Like Doctor, no, you know, the character of a Doctor is established. Sylvester McCoy knows what he's playing. He's able to yeah. say, no, don't give me stupid things like firing a bazooka. We've got this new companion that is very established from the start, is quite aggressive. And like I guess it's taking us back to Leela days, I suppose. It's not quite as bad, not wanting to kill people all the time, but is very willing to go and punch someone, probably, that's for sure. Actually, you know what? I feel like she was really willing to kill people all the time. Didn't she have the, uh, what was it called? The the Janus Thorn. Oh, no, no, I mean, Leela, yeah, Leela definitely was. I'm saying that Ace isn't as willing. Like oh, Ace I would see. just go and yeah, punch yeah. them. Leela would have just stabbed yeah, them. But, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. But also, Ace, in, in her debut episode, had created her own explosive she's walking around with 
the most highly explosive element ever, just in her backpack. Yep. If anyone is going to wield a bazooka, it should rightly be her. So well done, Sly McCoy, for making that call. Definitely, yeah. And how dare everyone else on set want to not give that to Ace right away? Maybe the script happened out of sequence. No, I don't think it did happen out of sequence, actually. But maybe it was written when they didn't quite know what they were doing with Ace. But at this point, the actors did because they played them. They lived them. And it's like, no, (laughs) God damn it. (laughs) Yeah. I think there was a couple of moments where she was still a little bit annoying. But yeah, they were very, very few and far between. That's for sure. I think for the most part, very on board for this companion, this doctor and their companionship. One bajillion percent agree with you. There's one other side to the ace portrayal here. I think might be interesting to dissect a bit. And that's her relationship with Nazi Mike. In the beginning, she goes to that cafe, Nazi Mike, who, by the way, is on a mission. Like, why is he in a calf? (laughs) <laughs> he is. He instantly tries to flirt with her a little bit. At one point, he said something like, "Oh yeah, no, don't worry about it. My my mum runs a BNB. I would love for you to meet her, or I would love for her to meet you." Wait, wait, hold your horses, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's quite interesting how Ace acts in that dynamic. Because if you go back just a couple of companions, the companions would go weak at the knees because this chap yeah. of the week. With his perfect smile and chiseled jaws there, cracking wise, she would just instantly fall for him. And that would that would be it. That would be part of that episode or that serial. And it isn't really. She kind of toys with him, in a sense. In yeah. a good way, I mean. In a very good way. She doesn't need him. No, exactly. I think she would be willing to take what she wants for him, probably. Probably, yeah. <laughs> because, yeah, it's definitely implied later on, I think, that she would have gone on a date with him. Who knows what yeah. would have happened. There was an attraction, I think, is what they're trying to establish. Certainly. But, yeah, you're right. She doesn't immediately start swooning after him. They don't write off this character because she suddenly gets married because she met an <laughs> <Yeah>. eligible guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, they're giving her agency, basically, which is very it, much yeah, so. great. <laughs> Talk about the rest of the not unit team or Yeah, why don't we? Starting with just to pour one out, the guy who played Nazi Mike, Dosley McLinden. Poor guy. He passed away at thirty. Holy shit. Yeah. How um, old was he? Of age, unfortunately. So thirty oh, well. years old. That's no age. And he seems to have been a really prolific and talented stage actor. It seemed like he was heading places. You know, he really, he was very, very prolific. I don't know about TV and film, but certainly stage. Well. Yeah. But yeah, shall we talk about the others then? Sorry, just a little side, because I happened to look at his Wikipedia, and apparently there's a tribute to him in It's a Sin. Mm. Obviously he has a Doctor Who connection being written by yeah. Russell T. Yeah. I yeah, sorry. That. I only watched the first couple of episodes. My God, that is a heart-wrenching oh. series. It's incredible, but so... Uh, oh my God, yes. God. It is so worth watching. It's one of these things where you finish and it's like, I want everyone to see this. I don't know if I can like recommend it to people because it, yeah. I know. It's yeah, no, it's heartbreaking, heartbreaking to the extreme. Mm. Anyway, anyway, sorry. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, who else? Where are we heading? As, as we are humans and we can forget that stuff and move on and have happy lives. Who else is in this? We have two, like, scientists, are they? Yes. Yep. Legends in their own right. We have Rachel Jensen, a.k.a. Not Liz Shaw. I found it weird how she introduced herself as Rachel and then everyone called her Rachel and occasionally she was Professor Rachel. Yeah. Would you shove in the honorific? I feel like you have to put the surname, not the first name. I don't know. It's just yeah, something right. about... It Professor Jensen. Either it should be totally informal or it should be really formal. And she got a weird mix. I don't know. It felt a bit odd. <laughs> yeah, that's true. 
I guess, so she's not quite, but almost Liz, Liz Shaw. And Liz Shaw, I think, was Dr. Liz Shaw, I think. Okay. But she was largely just Liz when yeah. she was a companion. And I wonder if maybe it's a reference to that, or possibly it's a mistake to call her Professor, given that Ace refers to Doc as Professor. So maybe that just confuses matters as well. Yeah. Either way, she was played by Pamela Salem, whom we have encountered before. Pamela Salem did the voice of Zoanon in The Face of Evil. She was twos in Robots of Death, only the greatest robot serial ever. Oh, okay. And, oh my goodness, hold on to the same pants you had to hold on for that Indiana Jones reference before. She also was Miss Moneypenny in Never Say Never Again. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Also apparently known for EastEnders. All right. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. But that's that's exciting. (laughs) And then the other character, I didn't really work out who she was, to be perfectly frank. Like, she just was was there she's she's not joe grant (laughs) yeah allison is her character's name karen gledhill played her i don't have much of a reference about her except that she was in an episode of poirot called one two buckle my shoe that coincidentally i rewatched two days ago (laughs) (laughs) no connection (laughs) coincidence you know just being on a karen gledhill binge then Those two in particular, I don't know, I had mixed emotions about because I was very pleased that we had female cast members that were contributing to the plot. It felt like at the start anyway. And then it sort of wandered on a bit. And like with the rest of this kind of not unit group, they just kind of got dragged along for the ride and then had weird little, little, little bits of dialogue like after a scene had ended sort of thing. Yeah, and true. It wasn't comic relief, but it turned into just like filler stuff. I don't know. I felt they were a bit hard done by, to be honest. Yeah, I agree with you. It's almost the Chibnall effect of let's have. They're not quite companions, but it's almost no. what we get and constantly referred to in the Chibbers era of like, there are too many companions. Because given that if they are all pastiches of prior Classic Who characters, you wouldn't have all of them at once. You would have Mike Yates, or maybe Benton, I guess, and Bagels. That's Unit. And they're like the ancillary characters. And one of the other two is the actual companion. But here, Ace is the companion. So you don't need these three characters plus not Bagels. And how many people can you give lines? At a certain point, you're going to run out of time. Yeah, definitely. And it's even harder to give them lines in with dialogue with other people having given them lines. Absolutely. So, so you just give yeah. them a line at the end of a scene. Yeah. You could very easily just have combined those three into one character. Yeah. Because in the same sense, I think the group captain is pretty hard done by as well. Like, it's very unclear whether he is leading this show. You're right that, I mean, they all start trusting the Doctor. I think there is enough of a hint throughout that they're second guessing it. Like, there are a couple of scenes, there are a couple of bits of dialogue where it's like, why are we trusting him? I think the group captain particularly like leans on the professor it's because like she's the first one that encountered the doctor she's the first one that's convinced that he knows what he's talking about and the group captain leans on her to then basically vouch for the doctor is like why should we trust him and she she has to kind of stand up for him and give reasons and i think that that works quite nicely but then once they're trusting the doctor i don't know it just feels like all their agency is out the window they're just contributing nothing other than pawns just moving around and getting stuff done no you're right which maybe that's just what unit did anyway i don't know but bagel still had strategy doc would maybe say like oh can you resolve that situation over there while i solve a technological problem 
and bagels would quite easily just point at soldiers and go, you take three men and go over there and you guys flank the aliens over there and yeah. Benson, fix this thing, you know. Here, not bagels just goes, Doc, what should I do? Yeah, which is, I guess is interesting because they start off the other way around because the scene with this lone Dalek that they've been tracking some signal and they've come to the school yeah he's quite commanding and they try and attack it they fire or do they fire grenades or just like throw grenades at it which which bothered me is like <laughs> this dalek should be dead yeah okay i don't know what the yeah also there are civilians right here. next door <laughs> yeah in fact they're just like right at the gates i mean this I is like round the back of the school probably in his office <laughs> <laughs> yeah. sorry isn't this like round the back of the school or very close yeah. it's like in a residential area <laughs> let's just throw some great grenades yeah that's fine yeah it's pretty mad <laughs> this strategy doesn't work because this Dalek is indestructible. So Doc is like, oh, that's not going to work. Or, and then afterwards is like, see, told you it wouldn't work. You know, it's that kind of setup. Yeah. And then you've thrown away that ability for these military people to be self-determining and able to take care of tasks on their own because the first scene you've shown them with Doc is that they can't. He knows more than they do. They fucked up. Yeah, yeah, true. But they shouldn't have fucked up. Someone just changed the rules. <laughs> no, they That's shouldn't the have. That's problem. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that Dalek should be dead. a little bit of dead. levity to it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but then if Un-It, not Unit, Un-It had done their job properly. Oh, that doesn't work. Not unit on it. Yeah, you know what I mean. If they had done their job properly, then we wouldn't have had the Nitro 9 scene at that point. True. And then Doc wouldn't have been heroic and used the Nitro 9, which in a sense, like it both legitimizes Ace's presence there and his own and possibly wins their confidence because, oh, wow, this crazy accent chap, he saved the day. We should do everything he says henceforth. Um, oh, yeah. No, I mean, we needed an establishment of Doc is who he says he is and knows more than we do. Yeah, that's how a lot of this stuff works, isn't it? You know what really bugged me about that, though, was... oh. Why doesn't Doc just throw the Nitro 9? Why does he have to be... Yoo-hoo, Dalek, over here. <laughs> that is such a good question. That didn't even dawn on me. You're right. <laughs> it really Dude, bothered me. the pain, go, how many seconds? Seven seconds, throw it. Yeah. <laughs> I assume that's what he was asking the question for. It's like, how long do I need to hold on to this before I throw it? It's like, no, how long do I need to stand here and try and get the Dalek's attention before I run away? It's like, no, that's so stupid. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. Also, why is the Dalek in... Did we say this before? We did kind of say this before. There's no reason for the Dalek to be in Foreman's yard. But similarly, why are the Daleks in Coal Hill School? Is that the best place to land? Also, wait, they've landed there before. <laughs> yeah. Well, that girl has been there. I don't know if that's meant to have been a landing spot for the other set of Daleks then. Because the ones that we see land are the Imperial white guys, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, I would assume and why so. would, when, when why would they, they have landed there? No, no is the answer. They wouldn't <laughs> have. Because you're so right. Unless the Renegade Daleks also have a shuttle, which they use to land there to like... Oh, wait, hang on. Who uses the... Okay, hang on. I got it. So at some point, the Imperial shuttle, which just screams Star Wars to me, but the Imperial yeah. shuttle lands there just to put one Dalek in place. And this is the Dalek... 
I can't remember what it was called now. It wasn't the Dalek controller. It was the Dalek something. Oh, maybe it was the Dalek controller. The the Dalek who is in charge of the transmat. And he does this only so that the transmat is built and managed, maintained in the basement of Coal Hill. And then the shuttle just leaves again. Because after that, I've... they don't need the shuttle anymore. They just have the transmat. Which begs the question, why do they send a shuttle afterwards? They have I a think transmat. the transmat is the other lot, isn't it? Is it oh, white really? dogs that come through there, or is it grey and black ones? Like, they made this so easy for us, and I don't know. Oh, they colour-coded them for <laughs> me, and I still can't work it out. Oh my god, no, you're so right. I think they're yeah, possibly Wait, the grey right, ones the that leader, come through. Well, the leader of the Renegades is the girl. Yeah. This tiny girl, Davros, so that's in the school, so probably, you're right, yeah, that's a Renegade Dalek transmat, must be. I think so. Oh my god. Which, which then says, okay, right now. someone someone landed a renegade Dalek or a few, then they got the yeah. transmat working, so they have no need of a shuttle anymore. Possibly the yeah. Scorch Marks were their shuttle originally. I don't know. That would kind of fit. Yes. I, I don't see logic in well, the Imperial Daleks having landed with a shuttle before. No, I think you're right. I think it, I only assumed that it was them because it is the exact same kind of shuttle and it lands quite literally in the same place. Like, yeah, yeah. The feet land in those dots. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but what a nice effect. Oh my God, that is the most stunning spaceship landing scene I have ever seen. So much better than anything in New Who. New Who, what a <laughs> buff. This scene is Stunsville. You know what, actually? This has got, like... To the point, obviously the technology isn't great, but I'm not sure if that is a real life-size shuttle or... It is. It is. Because it it really felt like... It was... This is 1988. Yeah. I couldn't believe that they had decent enough model and exposure, super super imposing... What's the thing? (laughs) You know, we overlay Whatever they called keying, green screening. None of that is good enough at this point to fool me into thinking a miniature or digitized thing is landing in a schoolyard for real. And this looked like it was landing in a schoolyard for real. So it is a life-size thing that they yeah. put down in a crane. Okay, cool. Yeah, you bet your ass it is. And <laughs> as it's lowering, they also blow out the windows. It's just so nice. And you can you can tell that it's real because when it lowers... We get to see the windows explode from the inside of the room. This is when Ace jumps over the windows, or or over the desks. But from the outside, as it's lowering, you can see the reflection of the ship, of that prop, Mm. in the windows of Coal Hill School. Yeah, I did notice that, actually, yeah. It's beautiful. Oh, this is why they went 13 grand over budget. Yeah, yeah. It was hiring a crane. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, probably. (laughs) I'm building that ship. It's oh, amazing. I can't remember where the hell we were. Do we have a segue? Yeah, no, right. Or should who, we, should we just start knows? with a new question? Do you have any only questions left? Anything where can we I haven't find a jacket about? like Smith's wearing? Because it's awesome. That is one nice jacket. His it's kind of flight fighter pilot jacket, or yeah, it is. It's like a, yeah, you know what? That's exactly what it, I don't even. Yeah, no, you're you're a million percent right. That's what I'm going to be googling after this review. <laughs> <laughs> cool. We've achieved something. Okay, so what about one of the many OMG scenes? We get that staircase scene with the Dalek. We get the um, Dalek Emperor Sphere, the special weapons Dalek, the laser effects. How do you feel about all these things? Right right now, I feel like, Jesus Christ, there was so much in this serial. Like, they were not holding back. (laughs) 
Yeah. You know what? The weirdest thing about the levitating Dalek scene to me was re-watching and, for the most part, watching for the first time classic Who. It's only really dawned on me this whole trope about Daleks not being able to go upstairs just wasn't a thing. Like It wasn't like it came up in a plot. It wasn't that you could hide from the Daleks by going upstairs. It was a social construct in the real world to make oh. fun of them. And yeah, yeah, I did actually read a little bit about this. And yeah, it just totally fits. It's like they've basically done something in the show to try and negate a thing that's happening in the real world where people are making fun of Daleks because it looks like, it just looks like they can't go upstairs. Yeah. And they were like, fuck you. They totally can go upstairs (laughs) and they're still badass and going to kill you all. (laughs) (laughs) That is fascinating. Do you think that Doc realizes that they can go upstairs? As in, is this a new thing in the show, but that's always been the case? It's just that the audience was wrong? Or is this something, is this a situation where Doc was part of the audience and Doc also labored under this misapprehension that Daleks can only roll on flat surfaces? I don't, I don't really know because he was basically running away from a Dalek and he happened to be going upstairs. Yeah. I don't think there was a look of surprise at any point when he turns around and the Dalek is still coming after him. Oh, maybe not. I mean, there should have been a look of surprise of why the fuck aren't you shooting me? Why are you trying to come and tickle me? (laughs) This is a cliffhanger, isn't it? I think this is a cliffhanger. Yeah, I think so. So they know the effect that it's going to have on the audience. Yeah, I think this is for the audience. This isn't... I don't think they're trying to say this is new to Doc. I think they're trying to say, all you non-believers out there, look. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. You can't just hide oh, I like that. <laughs> I really like that interpretation. That's great. That is excellent. And that is a fascinating bit of evidence of how influential this show has been on society. <laughs> True. I would equate this. <laughs> I feel a little sick saying this. <laughs> but I would equate this to, what's his name? Han, in the Fast and Furious franchise, being brought back for one of the Fast and Furious films, even though he was seen killed in spoilers, even though he was seen killed in the post credit sequence of one of the films, just because society went, oh, that was really unfair. I mean, I know nothing about There's like one Fast person in the audience who agrees yeah. with me. <laughs> I don't really want to know about the Fast and Furious no, franchise. No, that's fine. Hashtag justice for Han. But yeah, anyway... <laughs> But with only that context, it does seem a bit bullshit to, call, to kill off a character in a post-credit sequence. Yeah, that's yeah. like what they uh, did with the Perry. The franchise is all about being bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> okay, so that's that's levitating. Is is there anything more to cover with that, or are you? Not with the levitation, but I was going to say the special weapons Dalek. Yeah, I say we can move on to one of these other Dalek goodness. Who special weapons? Oof! Yeah, understatement. How do you feel about that? <laughs> Why isn't every Dalek this? this is yeah, incredible. What the fuck is this? Where you did it come from? To make this? Yeah. Why? <laughs> why is there only one? Why does it look like it's three hundred years old? Yeah, it legitimately looks like a tank. It looks like a big Bertha. It's the big Bertha of the Daleks. And it's mad. They have the tech. Let's say it uses twice as many resources as a regular Dalek casing. All right. Have half as many Daleks and make them all special weapons once. (laughs) How badass is it that it fires one shot and it kills every Dalek on screen? I mean, yeah, it's... 
way overpowered. Like if this if this was in a game to use gaming speak, it would be nerfed next week. It's like, nope, sorry, we made that one too powerful. Have to balance things yeah. out again. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Avoid, you we, know, we everyone's can't... just complaining. There's just a million super weapon Daleks on the server every time. It's not fun anymore, guys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's always one dick who runs around with a BFG 9000 for every single goddamn game. Yeah. Yeah, wait, what else is there? Maybe that is it. Well, then we've got the weird not Dalek of the Emperor Dalek. Oh, yeah, yeah. The sphere. The... Which. Exactly. Yeah, you're right. I am not kidding. Made me laugh out loud when I saw it. Because <laughs> that is the most <laughs> ridiculous design I have ever seen. <laughs> Seems like it's modeled after a snow globe. <laughs> <laughs> It's the bubble so head of dumb. Daleks. Yes. <laughs> Inside, Davros's head is just like wobbling around. <laughs> yeah. But then Davros was really cool. Like he's totally gone yeah. more more machine than man and like wires everywhere. He's basically just a head. He is just a head. Those wires were a little silly. It feels like I used to have a keychain. I think I had several keychains that would like that. Like the rubber oh, God, yeah. <laughs> it feels like they've just taken a few of those keychains and just wrapped them around his his shoulders. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's not there where all the budget went. <laughs> yeah, fine. Yeah. <laughs> I liked it. Whatever. No, I agree with you, though. He looks really quite far gone at this point. Yeah. What did you think about Davros being in this? Did Did you fall for the trap of? Well, yeah. Okay. Three questions for you. Did you fall for the trap of the? We only see the back of the biker helmet Dalek thing. Did you fall right, for the trap yeah. of that being Davros? Because it also sounded yes. like Davros. Did you then think, oh, there's a reveal here. It's not going to be Davros, and it wasn't, or whatever. You know, did that reveal satisfy you? Did it confuse you? And then were you totally blindsided again when it turned out that Emperor Dalek was Davros? Or did you see any of these things coming or whatever? No, Those I aren't real questions. blindsided. <laughs> I definitely thought that it was Davros sitting down in the thing. And I just Me figured, too. okay, so Davros has gone super duper Dalek and now he has one of the eye stalks. I didn't realize that he was wearing a helmet or that she was wearing a helmet. And uh, I was very happy about... Well, I was very happy with the reveal of the girl being the Dalek controller or whatever. I thought that was really neat. It's really clever. I assumed mm. that she was some sort of Dalek puppet in the beginning. Yeah. I assumed that she was controlled by them, but I just figured, okay, either she's, maybe this is pre-Dalek puppets. Maybe she's some sort of android or whatever else. You know, they've, they've created a schoolgirl out of metal <laughs> in order to blend <laughs> into the surrounding Coal Hill School, that kind of thing. I definitely did not see actual Davros making an appearance. I didn't see that coming. And when he did make an appearance, I wanted more of him. I, th I think that's the thing. I, mostly because I know yeah. that this is the last Davros appearance. It feels like, oh, really? Can we not have a bit more? Because it was pretty late that the reveal happened, wasn't it? I forget exactly yeah. where it was. Well, he's in a snow globe for the first three episodes. And then if he even shows up in the first episode, I think it's in part four that he is revealed as Davros. Yeah, it is. I'm looking at my notes. Part four. It is part four, right? Yeah. Because, yeah, part three, we get the, the not Davros moment of it being the creepy girl. And then part four, we get the actual Davros moment. Yeah. So, yeah, it's all super late. And then he's basically there for Doc to say, oh, no, don't do that. I would be very upset if you killed all of Gallifrey. Please don't fire the hand of Omega. And then he fires the hand of Omega and Scar is destroyed. And then it comes back. And then Davros is bleeding, you know, mercy. Yeah, I didn't like that. Mm. I really didn't oh, like not that. Not a great exit. He's, no, he knows that his entire homeworld has been destroyed by the Doctor, and he still begs for his pity. Uh, that, that's weird. 
it's an odd choice. What what I thought was interesting though was before the destruction of Scarrow, he talks about the Daleks becoming the new lords of time. Yes. We will have this device and we will turn into you. Like you are our nemesis or you're my nemesis and I'm going to make myself you. That's an interesting bit of intra-character psychology that w- is left entirely unexplored in this series, <laughs> but that is alluded to. It's pretty cool. Yeah. I think I think you're right, though. If we had more of Davros, if Davros was revealed earlier, we could have explored this a bit more, because it doesn't really fit necessarily with what Davros is doing with the Daleks. Like He kind of wants mm. to just wipe out everyone. How does that fit with being a lord of time? Who cares? If you're a lord of time, but you just want your race of Daleks to exist. Also, they already have mastered time trap. They are from I mean, the future. Yeah, that's the whole point of the time war, yeah? Yeah. In fact, there's a bit of trivia that says that this is the first... This is the act that starts the time war. RTD has made a reference to this somewhere. That Doc blowing up Scaro, that starts the time war. Oh, okay. I couldn't tell you in which episode, or maybe this happens off screen, maybe this is in an interview or something, but I found a bit of trivia that said, Russell T. Davis has said, this is the beginning of it. I mean, yeah, destroying a planet is probably gonna kick some shit off. (laughs) (laughs) Take another another thing in the bad move doc column. (laughs) (laughs) Very true. (laughs) Yeah, I think there's probably only one point left on my entire list that I want to ask you about. And that is, it's kind of a two-parter. Part one, how come the last remaining Dalek can get shocked and confused and spin itself out of existence? And part two of this question, is it somehow connected to the girl? Because she does the same thing at the same time, you mean? Yeah, super creepy. She does the spinning and then when it ceases to exist, because like, how? I don't know, then she's out of her trance. I guess maybe this all comes back to that original question you had about when does Scaro get destroyed? Is this a Marty McFly moment? Is this a Back to the Future, my hands disappearing while I'm playing guitar? Oh my god, I hadn't thought about that, I love that. I don't know, like, I don't think it is. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I mean, why would Doc be having this conversation with a Dalek in that case? You just stand there and watch from a distance as it disappears. Yeah, yeah, true. But I don't know. I didn't really get what was happening there. I didn't get why Doc was trying to talk down a Dalek. I didn't I didn't actually get most of the Dalek behavior in this serial. Like when they weren't straight out in a battle with soldiers, they seemed quite reluctant to kill people actually. They were more into yeah. the let's just surround this person tactic, which yeah, was a bit odd. Yeah, that's yeah. true. But this whole ending bit, I'm not sure. Like what do you think the link between that Dalek and the girl would be? It might just be that she is linked to the Daleks as a whole. And only coincidentally, because this is the last Dalek around, when it gets destroyed, that's when that link is severed. But it really does seem odd to me. Yeah, it was definitely, it was one of those, you don't mind watching it. If you're engaged with the moment and kind of almost turn bits of your brain off, you you watch it and enjoy it. The second you start thinking about it, it's just like, hang on a minute, that doesn't make sense. Yeah. It's also, I think, a little... I'm sure that happens mostly so that Doc can be badass. 
The whole, like, Doc talks the Dalek out of existence, badass. And Doc walking up to it afterwards, badass. But it's so odd to me that Doc draws a cross in the Dalek ashes and goes ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Which, by the way, I totally expected him to say in the cemetery, and he didn't say it there. (laughs) So, yeah, this is the second one. So in the beginning of this review, I said there are two things that I think are kind of shit. This is the second one. Okay. Yeah, I think the ending... As is often the case, I think the ending is pretty weak. And that, that doesn't stop here either. Like we end with, what's Ace? Ace says, we did good, didn't we? And Doctor says, just perhaps time will tell, it always does. I don't know. It's like, it's yeah. trying to be a lot bigger than most of this serial really was. Like, this serial was good, don't get me it's wrong. fantastic. I enjoyed yeah, yeah. the heck out of watching this serial. Incredibly so. I just, I feel like bits of it were A, at odds with itself and at odds with uh-huh. what what it should know it is as well as a serial. Like you don't end it with like this attempt at a philosophical debate on whether Doc should have committed genocide when you hadn't even remotely tried to address that when Doc committed genocide. Yeah, exactly. And while you're standing outside of ch- a church inside which there is the funeral of a Nazi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mega weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, read the room. <laughs> right. Do you feel confident enough to try to rate this? Because I've written a number for this. I, yeah, I wrote a number as well. We'll see if we stick to our Love guns. <laughs> okay. Let's do it. And now it is time to rate this. Did we laugh or hate this? Bing bong, bing bong, hey, la 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 la. Ratings. Welcome to the hour mini section of this podcast episode. Well played, <laughs> Cake Boss. Podcast land. <laughs> Jim Cakes just tip a finger on tip of nose to me so expertly that I'm almost about to start spinning out of existence. Well played, sir. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Um, oh, all right, sorry. So, I didn't mean to do oh, it that yeah. well. <laughs> Stay oh, <okay>. with us. <laughs> Right, okay, so I did write down some bullet points when I watched this two nights ago, and I wrote down a rating at the time as well. I have not changed that rating. I am leaving it as is. And here's the thing, that this serial is pure, unadulterated schlock, and I love it. Sly is, we talked about this sort of, he's Fully leaning into the role. He is fun and clever. He's most fun to me when he surprises himself with just how clever he is. There's, for example, there's the scene where, what does he do? Oh yeah, he's built the device that discombobulates the Daleks and it works. And then afterwards he looks at it and it just goes like, oh wow, it worked. I love it. It's fantastic. Sly clearly knows what kind of show this is by now, and he's not giving two shits about it, because why would he? It's fabulous. He also only has to look around to see just how much money they are pumping into this serial. Wow. Those sets, those effects. Crikey. I was transfixed by the cold open shot, and I was utterly mesmerized when the crane-operated Dalek spaceship landed in Coal Hill School. Amazing. Speaking of Coal Hill School, this serial is rife with classic Who references to the point where I am still throbbing now. I even have a newfound appreciation for the caretaker thanks to this one. I love the fact that he goes in and is mistaken for the person who's about to like interview for the job of caretaker. I didn't even realize when we interviewed, oh, sorry, when we reviewed the caretaker that it was a reference to this. That's amazing. Ace is good, albeit a fair bit too violent for my liking. Already said that. I'm aware that this is a fan favorite trait. Personally, I could have done without the baseball bat scene, but it doesn't matter. I really like Ace, and I 
find the chemistry tremendous. The plot is deliciously convoluted. Hilarious to see that in 1980, what's it, they could get away with the exact same plot that we just reviewed in the Whitaker era with Revolution of the Daleks, simply by skipping straight past all of the necessary first steps of the hero's journey. I much prefer this serial to Revolution. And imagine I said that much in italics. That is how much. It's got political critique, admittedly bland critique, but still. It has humor and action, suspense, weird eluded romance between a violence-prone adolescent from a relative future, no less, and a neo-Nazi from present-day 1963 whose mom is a bigot who runs a B&B. You know, that old chestnut. Greatest assets, it doesn't take itself too seriously, and it really has a good time being schlocky. Biggest flaw, maybe it should have taken itself a little more seriously at times. So effectively, I'm just saying, didn't like the Dalek spinning out of existence? Nope. And I didn't like Doc causing the end of Scarrow and double genocides at that. No thanks. Main takeaway... Michael, can I join your bad movie club? I think I get it now, and I've given this a 4.7. What? 4.7? Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> wow, right. your heart Go is exploding it. the heartometer right now. <laughs> Thank you very much, Mr. Leon. Excellent stuff. I have not written very good notes, so I'm winging this one a little bit. But I can only really concur with everything you've just said. We have been same page clubbing the hell out of this evening, that's for sure. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Which is as fun as when we disagree. Let's face it. Hmm. It's always a good ride. What do we have in this serial? We have creepy child and creepy playground music trope, which actually wasn't done too badly, but still a bit of a questionable thing for me. We've got wobbly Daleks. We've got levitating Daleks. We've got (laughs) bobble-headed Daleks. We've got, fuck me, you can blow up an entire planet Daleks. I mean, we've got aspects of the plot that, oh, just dialogue covering racism, fascism, probably some other isms thrown in there. We've got fan services aplenty. We've got an amazing doctor played by the amazing Sylvester McCoy. We've got an amazing companion. I'm not going to sugarcoat this. There were elements when she was annoying, but no, she's amazing. Ace is great. I love her. And they are amazing together. The interplay between these two is fantastic. I love it. Like, it's better than, like, they obviously have a massive age difference. It should be that kind of father-daughter. Like, she calls him professor. Like, there's a, a sign of respect in that. But they behave on in times closer as friends than companion and doctors that have been similar in age, I think. And I think that's great. We have, obviously, weird elephants in the room like Doc committing genocide. And, yeah, plot points that probably put more holes into jumpers than they knit up comfortably. What? That was weird metaphor. Anyway, but we have some wonderful explanations of who history, old and new, I think there are a couple of scenes. Doc tells us about the story of Omega and Rastalon. Ace tells us the story about what's happening right now with these two Dalek factions. And they could have been terrible moments. Like, to have a character tell other characters what's going on or what has happened. Exposition central. And I think they were actually both, like, highlights of the serial. And that's quite incredible. I think, basically, this was just really well written. It was really well acted. The production value was really high. What what they had, like, they had a real throwaway set of, like, the Dalek spaceship bridge or something like that, which is oh, gorgeous. Stunning. It appears for probably, like, 45 seconds or something. I don't know. I mean, the interior of the spaceship in general, like, barely 
feature. They made a whole thing for it. The outside of it obviously features not significantly, but they have made a life-size version of that and lowered it from a crane. I mean, fuck yeah. I don't know. Yeah, this is just really entertaining. There are obviously some questionable things. It's not perfect. I wrote down a 4.2. I've had so much fun. I'm going to jump on your bandwagon. I'm going to push it up to fuck it. 4.5. Nice. Oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> My friend agrees with me. <laughs> wow, there's so much love in your mini, dude. That is amazing. Oh, I absolutely adore it. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, we've just had a bromance with this serial. Shall we see if the rest of Podcast Land is on the same page? All right, let's. This love minis. Now let's hear from Podcast Land. Max 250, or it would get out of hand. Oi, oi, you lucky people. Once again, made it to this. Oh, I've lost that plot. Okay. Made it to the part of this episode known as Listener Mini. It, it always tickles the most delightful part of my brain or delighted part of my brain when you go, oh, you lucky people. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I would have given up ages ago if I didn't know it tickled your brain. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have absolute shit ton of listener minis this time around, otherwise known yeah, as... Possibly uh, a record amount. 14, yeah, possibly a record amount. Yeah. We've definitely had 13 a few times. Maybe 14 is... Yeah. Hmm. I think it might be the most we've ever had. Thank well, you, everyone who sent in a mini. Amazing yes, stuff. Yes, thank you indeed. It is obviously too many for us to read out in full. We would be here until the sun rises, if that were the case. So we are reading the first three that we selected. And first of those is from who, Miss Leon? Why, it's from Dalek Dave Levine. Hello, Dave. Hello, Dave. Or Dalek Dave. Long time no see. Second time reviewer. <laughs> <laughs> Dave starts. Wasted potential. No, oh, no. Oh, no. A hype <laughs> machine did not rub off in the time machine <laughs> back to when Dave wrote this. This story had definite potential, but it did not deliver on the promise that I felt it made in the first episode. Gilmore and Jensen, both played by quality actors, spent most of their time standing around asking the Doctor questions. It could easily have been replaced by just about anyone. Davros didn't show up until the final episode. I love his moment in that episode, but there should have been more in the earlier episodes. The Doctor tricks Davros into destroying Scarrow? What the fuck? <laughs> and to be fair, Dave wholeheartedly agreeing with everything you've said so far. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That is all completely true. Yeah. Dave continues. What was that with the music? Not a fan of the musical sections in this episode. Ace was aces. Ratcliffe and the little girl were definite pluses. I think the story would have been better with more of them. The leader of the renegade Daleks gets flustered and blows himself up. What the fuck? That's interesting. So that was the leader. Maybe that's why he's connected to the girl. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, it's very possible. Uh, Dave, you may have just cracked this case wide open. Dave continues, this is the first seventh Doctor story I have watched. I grew up watching the fourth, fifth, and sixth Doctors. I enjoyed them to varying degrees, with the fourth being my favorite. I'm not sure I want to watch any more seventh Doctor, especially if this is supposed to be one of his best stories. Hmm. No. So, yeah. yeah, what does he give this? You might not be surprised at all that Dalek Dave Levine only gives this two out of five. Yeah. Oh, yikes caramba, Dalek Dave Levine. Fair enough. These are all valid points. And 
you know what, just on a note of extra fairness, isn't this basically how you and I felt, Jim, a couple of Sly McCoy serials ago? Yeah, I think that's probably fair. I think the 80s hit us last time, and they're carrying on with some 25th anniversary shenanigans as well, and we're just a little bit on a high, maybe. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, fair enough, uh, Dave. Thank you very much for sending that in. Peeps in Podcast Land should also check out Dalek Dave Levine's blog, Small Screen Scrolls, Blogspot. Go to whoback1.com. You'll find a link in at the bottom of his mini. So thank you very much, Dave. Thank you, Dave. Who's next? <gasps> next one up. Of these. Yes, it's a new review. That was completely in sync in my ears. Totally in sync. <laughs> totally means it won't be in sync. <laughs> <laughs> It's Oliver. Hello, Oliver. Hello, Oliver. <laughs> Oliver Stars. Remembrance of the Daleks is a simply fantastic story. That's more like it. It was the first and only story that I had watched for many years and is thus a fun favorite of mine. From the zaps, explosions, and Daleks galore to the pseudo unit and 25 year fan service. Even though it wasn't technically the 25th anniversary story, I like to think of it as such. This story is a first for many things, such as the first X-ray extermination effect. Ooh. Oh, yeah. The first Dalek scene going upstairs, referencing the show inside the show, bar all the Doctor Who jokes in the past. And sadly, the only on-screen mention, to my knowledge, of rice pudding. Well, I never... <laughs> 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 I feel like Russell T needs to correct that in the Absolutely. forthcoming episodes. <laughs> Oliver continues, this is one of only a handful of stories that never feels dragging, as well as one that doesn't rush towards the end. It succeeds in Cardinal's goal of making the seventh Doctor a darker, more mysterious man, even if some of his Cartmel master plan ideas were left on the cutting room floor. If I were to introduce anyone to Classic Who, this would be my story of choice to do so, even topping Genesis of the Daleks. My only grumble is that the special weapons Dalek isn't in it as much as it deserves to be. I give this story a 5 out of 5. Ooh, Holy moly. <laughs> Holy smokeroonies and cheesecakes. Oliver, huge hearts. Thank you very much. Thank you, yes. Awesome stuff. Uh, people who are not Oliver, please thank Oliver online. He can be found. <laughs> he can be found where, Jim? He can be found on Twitter at my name isn't Jim. <laughs> Correct. Your name is Oliver. Well done. (laughs) Yeah, that's Jim with two M's. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much, Oliver. Welcome aboard. Glad to be traveling down this temporal road with you. Yes! (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Who's next? Well, next up, I mean, they're like buses. It's it's insane. What? (laughs) Don't have one for ages, and two of them come along at once. It's another yeah, one. That's right. They're like policemen. They travel in pairs. <laughs> <laughs> it's a new reviewer. That one did not sound in sync in my ear, so maybe it will be. <laughs> <laughs> it's Jess. Hello, Jess. Hello, Jess. Thank you for oh, writing. Goodness, welcome. Last time. Yes, thank you. Jess says, hi, everyone. Hiya, Jess. Hiya. I am Jess, and this is the first time I'm writing in. Yay! Yay, right Yay! back at you. <laughs> <laughs> Can good. I just say that Remembrance of the Daleks is actually one of my favorite classic serials and still is. 
Why, of course oh, you can, yeah, Jess. You may. We're not going to take that away from you. When it comes down to Ace beating up a Dalek with a baseball bat, to the Doctor suddenly showing his darker side, this serial had a lot. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Mike Smith was definitely someone I am glad won't be back, and I thought Ace's infatuation with him was rather out of character. Mm. Oh, interesting. Apart from that, I loved Ace in this. Better acting than in Dragonfire, and getting to see her absolutely destroy the Dalek with the baseball bat was a treat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jess continues, the design of the Dalek Emperor is actually something I liked. I'm strange for doing so. But the reveal of Davros yeah. was honestly rather anticlimactic because of the sheer amount of times it had been done before. The Dalek faction battle was somewhat interesting, but I feel a lot more could have been done with it. Yeah, agreed. Definitely agreed. Also, that little girl. Oh my God, I loved it, says Jess. Her acting was, at least in my eyes, on point and mildly creepy. I would hold the mildly. (laughs) (laughs) Jess continues. I loved the scene when the Doctor and Ace switched seats while driving the van under the bridge. Not only was it genuinely funny, but also acted out beautifully with Ace ending up holding the Doctor's things. Nice. And Jess gives us a random fact. A lot of the action takes place in the chemistry lab. This is the same place where Ian and Barbara talked about Susan in An Unearthly Child. That blows my mind. That is amazing. (laughs) I didn't know that. That's fantastic. Okay, there's definitely going to be a scene-by-scene comparison, just like a screenshot comparison shot on whoback.com. Oh, that is awesome. Thank you very much, Jess. Jess concludes, overall, this was an action-packed serial with a little comedy sprinkled in, and gives this... Four out of five. Amazing. Nice. Yeah, thank you very much. Fantastic, Mini. Thank you, Jess. Uh, Peeps, if you're not Jess and you want to follow Jess on Twitter, find out if Jess is on Twitter. We don't know. Jess, thank you very much for for writing in. Awesome stuff. Keep them coming. We're super duper thrilled to be traveling down this temporal road with you. Yay! Oh my God! (laughs) (laughs) I think the espresso martini is hitting me. (laughs) But it's, it's really nice, like so late in the game, still getting new reviews. Yeah. Lovely stuff. Yeah, it's wonderful. Right. Those were not the only reviews, though. Let's get into the ones we're just going to read a little snippet of, basically. That's right. Everything. First of those is, well, I'm not quite sure. It's, it's someone called Ed. I don't know. Well, it's Ed Corbet or Ed Corbett. It's one of those. That's right. It's Ed. Hello, Ed. Hello, Ed. <laughs> Ed says, it's a cut above the stories of the era and a great story for the Daleks to go out on. And gives this 4.7 out of 5. Nice. Excellent rating, Ed. (laughs) (laughs) Nice one. Thank you, Ed. Thank you very much. Who's next? Next up, it is Isaac. What up, Isaac? Isaac says, snip, snippity, snip, snip, and adds, overall, it's a fun Dalek adventure that balances a lot of different moving plot lines very well. And he gives this 3.8 out of 5. Hmm. Nice. It's very, the- very nice. Podcast land. Follow Isaac on Twitter at Ms. Monster Adams. Good stuff. Thank you, Isaac. Thanks. Who's next? Who's next? <laughs> <laughs> Why, it's none other than Kieran Evans. What up, Kieran? <laughs> <laughs> Kieran says, this for me is one of the all-time greats and feels a million miles away from the previous season. And Kieran gives this five 
out of five explosions being mistaken for IRA bombs. Yep, that happened. Oh, dearie me. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Thank you very much, Kieran. Peeps who are not Kieran, you know where to go for your electric vans. Head on over to at KJ Evans 2. That's right. To the for number. All your Evan needs. <laughs> <laughs> Twice. <laughs> Thanks, Kieran. Thank you, Kieran. Next up, we have got Chris Paddock. What up, Chris Dubs? Oh my, wow, the espresso martini is really hitting me. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Chris Dubs. Hello, Chris Dubs. Chris Dubs says, Schnippity schnips and adds, The Daleks are always the Daleks, but this story is bright and vibrant after several seasons of overboiled, insipid crap. And Chris Dubs gives this 4.7 levitating Daleks out of 5. Holy ooh, moly, ooh. here's another friend who agrees with me. Yeah. Nice one, Chris Dubs. Thank you very much. That rating score is resonating well. Thank you, Chris Dubs. Next up, well, we already know the score for this guy, because it's none other than <laughs> Michael Ridgway. 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 Hello, Michael. Hello there, Michael. Michael's given us some earliest childhood memories, which we're not going to read any of those. Sorry, Michael. It's just going to be his rating, which is five out of five. Kel Surprise. But <laughs> yeah. Podcast Land, do check out that entire list. And when you've done so, high five Michael online. He can be found at bad. Underscore. Movie. Underscore. Club. No more underscore. Michael. So big. So Thanks, big. Michael. So big. Who's next? Why, next up, it's Neil. Hello, Neil. Hello, Neil. Neil says, some of the visual effects are pretty dodgy, but this is easily the best Doctor Who story since the caves of Androzani. And I think it's simply glorious. And Neil gives this 5.0 out of 5. Yowzers. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Yowzers is right. Thank you very much, Neil. Thank you, Neil. Oh, Holy stuff. People who are not Neil, head on over to Twitter and Insta and follow Neil Andruzzoni and... Neil Jam as actor. <laughs> That's right. Thank you very much, Neil. Thank you, Neil. Next up, we have got Ollie Raven. Hello, Ollie. Hello, Ollie. Raven. Raven. Ollie gives us 4.3 bottomless tins of rice pudding. Nice. Nice. Very, very nice. Check out his mini and his PS and his PPS on whomac1.com. And when you've done that, please high five Ollie online. Ollie can be found at Foggy Doctor Who. That's Doctor DR. On Instagram. Nice. Hmm. Thank you very much, Ollie. Thank you, Ollie. Who's next? And also, thank you for rating us on iTunes. Oh my god, yes. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, super duper nice. Oh my god, I meant to mention that before we press record. Thank you so much. Anyway, yeah, very, next very up. Much appreciated. Yes, thank you very much, Ollie. Next up, we have got none other than the Zoonmeister himself, Peter Zunich. <laughs> what up, Peter? Hello, Peter. Peter has a fantastic list of likes and beefs that must be read, but we shall simply say... Schnip, schnippity, schnip, schnip, schnip. And Peter says, so much potential greatness. Bad choices prevent epic status. And he gives this 4.0 out of 5. Nice. That's pretty close yeah, to Very epic. nice. Good stuff. Yeah, it, it actually <laughs> is. I think that's a good testament to how beloved this serial is, that you can, <laughs> you can have tons of beefs and you can criticize it and you can say it's not perfect and then still give it a crazy high rating. Yeah. Or you just sit down with a drink and a friend and suddenly it goes from a 4.2 to a 4.5. <laughs> 
That's right. That's exactly right. <laughs> Thank, Thank you, you much, Peter. Peter. Who, who's next? Who's next? <laughs> well, it's Richie Black. Hello, Richie. Why, hello there, Richie. <laughs> Thank you so much for writing in. Richie says, I'm going to give this 4.7. What the fuck? What do you mean? Don't ask. Coffins float out of five. <laughs> God, I love that rating system. That's really good. Thank you very much, Richie. <laughs> Thank you, Richie. <laughs> People who are not Richie, say hi to Richie online. Uh, Richie can be found at what, Jim? Richie Sexington. That's right. That's Richie Sexington without a Vaughn. <laughs> Correct. Thank you very much, Richie. Who's penultimate? <gasps> it's Stephen from, from Canada. Canada. Hello, Stephen. Hello there, Stephen. Steve, Stephen <laughs> mind-bendingly concludes with truly a remarkable and entertaining story and probably one of the best. It deserves its reputation. Having started his mini with, I'm just going to cut to the chase, five Daleks out of five. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Thank you very Thank much, Stephen. you, Stephen. People who are not Stephen, please say hi to Stephen online. Stephen can be found at... Yes, Andre That's right. Who's last? Last up. Why, we have that six-fingered chap, ten six-fingers. <laughs> Hello, Tans. <laughs> Hello, Tans. Tans says, this gets four Dalek Smashing Baseball Bats out of five for me. Nice. Wow. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, Tans. Very good stuff. Peeps, you know the drill. Head on over to Twitter and Insta. Find Tans at Tans Six Fingers and... Tans Six Fingers. That's right. And tell him hi from us. Thank you very much, Tans. Thank you, Tans. Thank you, everyone. Oh, my goodness. What a clever bunch oh you are. Oh, my God, yeah. Thank you. Such big hearts, such big brains. Like, just saying your feels. Great stuff. Feeling your says. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Peeps who are out there in podcast land, please head on over to whobackone.com and read all of these fabulous minis in their full and glorious splendor. Well, that was spiffing, but that's it. That, that is it for Remembrance of the Daleks. It's a wrap. Uh, I remembered it fondly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. I indubitably. What? No. <laughs> Trying to say a stupid thing. And I did. Well done, Jim. Congratulations. <laughs> but, okay. Things will continue on. Obviously, this podcast is not yet done. Why? Although we are getting blooming damn close to having rated every single thing. But we oh have got goodness, yeah. more classic and more new who. What are we doing classic-wise, Mr. Leo? Well, the next classic is going to be The Happiness Patrol. Who, dare I say, I. I mean, that sounds right, Cheery. Probably not. <laughs> and well, we've got a new who, I believe. New who, yeah. I'm pretty sure yourself and the good fellow Drew will be reviewing the Halloween apocalypse. That's right. The very first episode of Doctor Who Flux. Controversial. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Is it really? And then uh, and at some point we're going to do an audio who as well. Yeah, yeah, that'll be Doctor Who redacted. We have said that nice. we will do this, so we will do this at some point. <laughs> <laughs> we'll fit it in somewhere. Hey, oh, yeah, Doctor Who redacted. I still haven't listened to it. Have you heard it? I actually haven't. No, I have meant to. I've heard it's really good. Yeah, I've heard nothing but good things. I'm super looking forward to listening to that. Yeah, 
So watch this space podcast line. We'll let you know when we've got that penciled in. And bonuses will be bonusing. Yeah. Yeah, They're they're a bonus. Don't expect them. They surprise you. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But in the meantime, you can say hello to us, I believe. Oh, of course. You can be found on Twitter, I believe, Mr. Leon. Yeah. uh, Yeah. I mean, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I am not yet unregistered on Twitter. Um, While I remain unregistered, people can find me at Ponkin, P-O-N-K-E-N. If you say hi, I will say hi right back. Unless this is in the probably not too distant future and I have unregistered. But you can also say hello to all of us collectively at Who Back When on Twitter. What about you? I left the Twitter sphere some time ago. It can be found on Mastodon oh, at oh, yes. Jimmy and the what now dot EU. <laughs> I'm about oh, as active there as I was on Twitter. But it's a much friendlier place. <laughs> nice. Oh well that is already a win in my book. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you have been a spiffing bunch, as you always are, Podcast Land. Thank you very much for listening. Absolutely. Thank you, Mr. Leon, for chatting with me this evening about this wonderful oh, thing that is Doctor Kate Who. Boss, thank you. <laughs> you in italics. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about the italics, Podcast It's been Land. a fantastic <laughs> evening. <laughs> yeah, it only remains to say, well, uh, take care of yourselves and see you. Yeah, rock on. Be around next to each other. Thanks again and cha-ciao. Kablamo! Did you enjoy the show? Then please do what the cosmos compels you to and spread the gospel of who back when. Tell your friends! But I've got no friends! No problemo, tell some strangers! Hey! Like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash who back when. All in one word. Are you into Twitter? Awesome! High five us online and we'll high five you right back. You guessed it, we're at who back when. All in one word. Check us out on Instagram for behind the scenes photos and other Whovian goodness. Watch our videos or even listen to our podcast on YouTube. That's whobackwhen.com slash YouTube. Vote us up on Reddit, listen to us on Stitcher and head on over to our website whobackwhen.com where you can submit a review of your own, browse the article archives and peruse our visual index of aliens, monsters and more which increases in Kablamos with every episode. And lastly, give us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps our show get noticed and earns you lots of karma points. That's it. Rock on and be rad and excellent to each other. Catch your earballs in our next Who review or bonus episode. Until then, ciao ciao.